The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. We're also brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a free-to-play app that lets you bet on all your favorite NFL player props for a chance to win awesome prizes. Download the app today over at betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. That's betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. We're also brought to you by SoBet. Sign up to bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at SoBet.io slash SGPN. That's SoBet.io slash SGPN. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app, home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Yes, sir. Welcome into the NBA Gambling Podcast. I am your host, Really Rail, Villain Rail, Terrell Furman Jr. I'm sitting here with my guy. I got him back. We're here on the Thursday. DJs, Ignit, my brother from another color, Scott Rochelle. Scott, are you ready for the victory lap? I feel like you kind of owe maybe a couple. Uh, I don't know if you can have several laps involved after you win, but if you're going to hit a, a plus victory seven, mile, I'll if you're going to hit a plus seven hundred one. I, I think you have the right to. All right, we got the victory mile. Four laps of the victory mile. Here we go, people. <laughs> the Jazz. This is my favorite trend. This is my absolute favorite trend of the season. I like this better than the Charlotte's third quarter. I like this better than the Warriors' third quarter. I like this better than the Cavs' first half. I like this better than the Cavs' first quarter. I like this better than betting a Charlotte over. There is, I like this better than fading the Celtics. Now, if you know me, there is nothing I love better than when I fade the Celtics in cash. But the Jazz as double-digit favorites are an auto-fade. An auto-fade. This team is loaded. We're not going to put a lot. This team is loaded. Mike Conley is a baller. Bogdan Mavanovic is a baller. Joe Ingles can shoot the lights out. Rudy Gay is, unfortunately, Defensive Player of the Year. And the Rockets came into Utah and laid it on them. I'm talking – and then gave me a sweat at the end of the game. They gave me a sweat. Nothing makes this better than when you have a sweat. There, yes, 20-point wins are like, yes, j- you're just like, hurry up, give me my money. Like, I just want to hurry up and cash out, give me my money so I can go spend my winnings. But a sweat, a sweat to the end of the game, and we called it right. There's nothing better than NBA Gambling Podcast. I'm trying to tell you right now. It, Villain Rail was out at full force last night. Completely out in full force. He was doing a life of villainy on the streets, running amok out there with Villain Trey as Villain Trey was cashing his lock for that day as well. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. I think the well, one thing I'll add about the end is that the sweat I feel like made it even better 
because that reminded you at the end of the game how bad the Rockets actually are. So that just made the call that much better, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely reminds you. Because there's no way that there should have even been a sweat. They made 21 – no, 22 three-pointers in the game. Yeah. 22 threes. 22 in the game. There's no reason this should, this should have been a sweat. There's no reason that they should have almost lost the game. But here comes the man, the man of all mans, Kevin Porter Jr. with a step back three to effectively end the game and cash our tickets. It was the Slack channel erupted. Twitter erupted. The millions and millions and millions of people around the world erupted because 93% of the money were on the Utah Jazz last night. 90%. I don't know how you could bet the Jazz with those minus the points with that Donovan Mitchell, but that's just me. But it, it, people don't see the trends; people aren't catching on. But my clients, my clients understood what would needed to be done. They saw that double digit spread as soon as they opened up their books and they hammered the money line. Oh man, we are just swimming in a boatload of cash right now. It is absolutely amazing. I think you're also one of the only people on the planet who made money taking the Pistons and the Rockets as mo- on the money line in the same season. I don't think many people have done in that. In a week apart. A yeah. week apart. They were a week apart. Oh, man. I think I, my jersey needs to go into the Raptors. I think we need to, you know, build the SGPN Raptors. That's the move, by the way. You were you, you trying to think of a Utah Jazz jersey to get. You can get a custom one with Furman Jr. on the back or Villain Real on the back. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yep, that's it. There we go. I was just trying to figure out Villain Real on the back of the jersey. Oh, what's the number? I got to figure out a number. It'd probably be 13. That's my favorite number. All right, that's, that's 100% happening. I will place the order in. I will let the people – I don't know. I'm overseas. It's going to take a while to get here. I will let the people know when it gets here. But Villain Row has to go on the back of the jersey, and then where we are raising the jerseys to the Raptors when I get back to the States. Because, oh, my gosh. And guess what? Got the Jazz play the Pistons on deck. There's no way they give us another double-digit spread. No way, right? They learned their lesson. They got to make it eight, seven. There's no way they give us double digits again. Are you assuming Mitchell's in or out? I'm assuming he's out. It's concussion protocol. I don't. Think I think he he's going to be out. out. I think if he was in, it would 100% be double digits again. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But he's he's definitely out. He's in concussion protocol. Yeah. He's not clearing that. that That's that why I'm assuming good. it won't be double digits because they look so bad against the Rockets. I think the books might have just underestimated just how important Mitchell is to the team. So I do think mm-hmm. that it'll probably be closer to, I'd say, nine. Maybe it'll cross double digits at some point just because people are expecting a bounce-back spot. They're going to look at the numbers and get reminded of how awful the Pistons are. But I don't know if that matters because Houston's not good either, and Houston kind of took it to them last night. Anything over nine and a half, and I'm, I'm hammering the bet again. It's yeah. just it's an auto-fade. Well, it's, it's on principle at this point, isn't it? Yes, has to. It has to be on principle. Oh, man. Plus 700 money line. And you know where I placed that plus 700 money line bet? I placed it on WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing you the excitement of WinBet, Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get it in all now on your favorite teams, players, sports from the NFL, NBA, the Jazz on my favorite team now, 100%. Can my favorite team be a team that I fade? I think oh, I can. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, 
yeah, Jazz overtook the Knicks as my favorite team because I made so much money off of them. MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Be sure to check out all of WinBet's Build Your Own Bet boosted same-game parlays head into the NFL Divisional Round Weekend. Most boosts fall between 10 and 15% of the original price. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, we have what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free, $1,000 sports bet. Bet big and win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. We're also brought to you by PropSwap. PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. The NFL playoffs are in full swing, and prop swappers are cashing in. Like Will from Arizona, who on Sunday night sold his $50, his $50 100-to-1 49ers Super Bowl ticket for $500 on PropSwap. Will locked in his profit when he turned his $50 bet into $500. The buyer got great odds, and the seller made 10 times his bet. PropSwap has thousands of buyers across the country, so you'll always find the best odds and collect the most money from your bets. Hurry and download the free PropSwap app today. PropSwap has fantastic features like filtering listed tickets based on the best value, a free activity feed to stay in the know about all the big sales and red hot tickets for sale, a loyalty rewards program that turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash, and a first deposit cash match. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and PropSwap will match your deposit up to $500. Join the real sports bettors on PropSwap where America buys and sells sports bets. Man. If I had a future on the Jazz to win the NBA championship, I'd sell that joint right now. Like, I, I would just fade, just fade it right now. Absolutely. The Jazz, so I said this yesterday. The Jazz are the most fraudulent team in the NBA right now. I don't think there's another team in the NBA who has the record like the Jazz do, but are really, really not that good. Like, they're really, really not that good. But the same issue every year. You look at the actual roster. They usually have the six men. The, not six men. They usually, well, six men as well with Jordan Clarkson. But they usually have defensive player of the year. Mitchell's an all-star. They got a lot of pieces. And yet, every single year, you get reminded at some point, either during the regular season or especially during the playoffs, they have no killer instinct. And that's what nice. kills them every year. And I was personally out on the Jazz when they lost to the Warriors a couple weeks ago at home with a shorthanded Warriors yeah. team as well. Yeah, and I know they, the game they gave up about. a bunch of points, and you're looking through going, I know that Golden State is a team, when healthy, that's probably better than you are, but the amount of people that were out, you cannot lose that home game. Yeah, you can't. Absolutely. Like, that's a game that you, you gain a game on somebody you're competing with for seeding purposes, and you just don't show up, and you just constantly look at the Jazz, and I can't blame it on Quinn Snyder because I think he's a great coach. So I don't really know what it is, but for some reason, this team just cannot fully piece it together for 48 minutes, either against quality competition or on the opposite, when they're just supposed to coast to a win. So it seems like they do really well against the good but not great teams, and yeah. they kind of struggle against the awful teams, and they struggle against the really good teams, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, 100% it does. 100%. I 
and the crazy thing is, I think the the Jazz had some of the mo- the best continuity from last year to this year in all of the NBA. Like you can't, re- I can't really think of any major piece or really any real small piece that they lost from last year to this year. So it's basically the same roster. They're just not putting it together. They're they're tw- now they are twenty and twenty five against the spread this season. From the Utah Jazz team that was first in the NBA against the spread last year, they are now 20 and 25. So it's either the books caught up to them or they just suck. And I'm really tired of hearing about how dominant Utah is at home. It comes up every year. You look at the actual numbers, their overall straight-up record is usually solid at home. We know last year they were insane at home. They're 14 and 9, which is good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the Knicks, I know, have a losing record at MSG for just for comparison, but still... Utah, if they're known for the home court, but you know they're guaranteed to lose about two home games in every playoffs that they're in, then I don't really know what their claim to fame is besides just struggling against teams they probably should beat. I think Utah should have beaten the Clippers last year, especially without Kawhi. Yeah. Once Kawhi got injured, yeah, they were they were forty they points were up, to Terrence Mann. Yeah, what, weren't they up in that series at one point too? Oh, I know that the massive choke job was game six. They were up 20-something at the half, and then Terrence yeah. Mann goes nuts. But I don't know how you blow a 20-something point lead to a team without Kawhi Leonard. It's ridiculous. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here talking about the Central Division in the Eastern Conference today. Well, I was going to ask, before we actually started that conversation, I know that it's a pretty light card, so we had a lot of stuff to talk about anyway. Do you want to go through – we talked about the, the highs from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about the lows a little bit or you're not ready for it? Oh, yeah. We can talk about the lows. It's fine. Because I, I, you wanted to go on a bit of a rant before we, before we started. Yeah, the, the lows don't add up to what the Rockets gave me, but they were pretty, pretty low. But the Los Angeles Lakers are they, – they, are, they have to be in auto-fade territory. I don't – I don't think I can trust myself betting the Lakers, especially when they lose to a team that hadn't won a road game since November 22nd. I look at player props if I want to back the Lakers. Give me some LeBron numbers. You know he's going to put up whatever he wants. The issue is that that, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. And I, so I had a crazy, crazy DJ parlay. Like it was crazy. It was going to net me an insane amount of money. And the last leg was Russ double double and win. And Russ wasn't even close. Russ wasn't even trying out there. He wasn't – it did not look like he was even trying out there. Well, Vogel also Literally, benched him, so they might be related. But Yeah, it possibly could be related. It, it, oh, my gosh, Frank Vogel. It, I don't know how – because finally the East Coast is awake. And most of the states, even the West Coast is awake. And maybe that's what it means more is that the West Coast is awake. I don't know how Frank Vogel still has a job after that loss. I don't, I don't know how he still has a job after that loss. If you want to know the say, answer, it's because they play Orlando next. I, I'll tell you what. You <laughs> do have the rare moment where it's not official, but you can assume if they lose against Orlando, he's done. So if you want to take Orlando Moneyline, I'm saying if you want to take Orlando Moneyline on Friday, you might get a rare cash on a coach firing game, which you don't get that often. Yeah, that that is very much that's gonna go into the that's gonna go into the handicap on Friday. It is. But for a coach that they said they're evaluating game by game, and the fact that they were up for effectively two and a half quarters of that game, there's no reason they sh- they, they should not have lost. With no they Miles should- Turner banged up Sabonis. 
Yeah. And there is absolutely no reason they should have lost that game. I think that I'm still trying to understand this rotation that he has going on. Because he put – it's like he's trying to put an emphasis on defense, but their defense is just not that good. See, it's also tricky because they're putting an emphasis on defense. You bench Westbrook, fine. We know Westbrook can't guard anybody. Why is Melo playing in the final two minutes? Yeah. Yeah, if you're – and it's like, so what's the identity? It's like, are you trying to score or are you trying to defend? I know Melo's never been a good defender, but that – carousel vert three-pointer might have been one of the funniest defensive possessions i've seen in years that was hilarious it it just the best teams have an emphasis on something but they just so happen to have the players that can score like when you think of the warriors the warriors have a defensive identity that is like the warriors have a defensive identity they just happen to have two of the best shooters ever on their team and they find players that can buy into the offensive system that they are trying to run and make shots off of that. The Jet, not the Jazz, the um, the Mavericks this oh, Mavericks. year, the Mavericks this year have a defensive identity. They are not even they are not even trying on offense sometimes because they know they're going to clamp down on defense. But they can just hope Luka drops forty like he did last night. But defensively, they've been crazy for the last. Which couple Which is of crazy weeks. because I've been waiting for, and I don't know how I missed it last night, but I've been waiting for the Luka forty point game. I didn't think it would come against the Raptors. I had the Luka triple double the- against the Thunder. I'll tell you what: if you want to actually make some money, potentially hitting some big props, look for triple doubles against the Thunder. I know Dejounte Murray had one last night. That Thunder team defensively, they, they might have been okay for a little bit. It's all hit the wall at this point. They can't guard anybody. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go look at that. But San Antonio torched them last night, for example. So if you want to look for some triple-double options, keep an eye on who the Thunder are playing. Lord. So just keep that in mind. But I was going to ask, Lord. I mentioned this on the PropCast a couple of weeks ago, and it's a bit of a hot take, but I'm still kind of going to reiterate it. I know that you're blaming Vogel, and of course, I'm not saying he's totally innocent in this one. I think that the entire front office, not even just Vogel, but in general, this is one of the worst roster constructions I've seen because I don't really know Mm -hmm. what the direction is of the current roster. Now, you can argue with rotations, Mm -hmm. play Reeves more. Hell, play Horton Tucker more yesterday. He was actually pretty good for once, but still. Yeah. The roster stinks. You look at really two guys. I know Davis is injured. So you got LeBron. Westbrook's been a mess. It's not Vogel's fault they traded for him. I wouldn't have traded for him, but they did. Nope. And you look at the supporting cast. I get that you're making the argument that Melo shouldn't have been on the court. I agree with you. He can't guard anybody. We know that. But when you start arguing for minutes at the end of games from like 30-plus-year-old Dwight Howard and Trevor Reza and company, <laughs> I, you might be right. But the fact that we're even having that conversation tells you just how ill-prepared the actual roster making was that you're relying on past prime Dwight Howard to give you prime time minutes potentially at the end of games. That's how bad the actual options are on this roster for the Lakers. And yes, Vogel can handle the, rota- handle the rotations better, and he's going to be the scapegoat no matter what. It's the way it is. Vogel's mm-hmm. probably going to get fired within the span of about two weeks. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Do I blame Vogel for this team being about 500? I don't. I think he inherited a situation where he was basically guaranteed to fail. I don't know what coach, hell, even prime Phil Jackson, I don't know what coach you actually bring in 
that could have won a bunch of games with this roster because this roster stinks. LeBron's wow, putting up wow. massive stat lines every game. They're still losing. So you can't even make an argument that LeBron can go nuclear and carry the team. He's been going nuclear. They still can't win. Yeah. So I, I don't know what the coach is supposed to do. What are you supposed to do? Besides tweak a couple think, of rotations that might help and might not help. I, I mean, they were struggling with the did. Pacers, even with good rotations. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that's not good. I think the issue is that this roster is constructed and it is – we don't see it too many times in modern NBA, but it kind of takes me back to the Miami Heat big three days where they had the big three and, and Udonis Haslam on the roster, and that was it. And they had LeBron would kill somebody sign. for Shane Battier on the roster right now. Yeah. Oh, I fucking hate Shane Battier. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right in the finals. Though. Um, whatever. Fuck and Mike Miller. Baddie. What did J Cole say? You're lame. You're Shane Battier. <laughs> yeah. No. So all right. Boom. Uh, what was I saying? You threw me off with the Shane Battier. I was saying the ro- the roster itself. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so it's similar. It's similar to that where it is solely built around two players. I'm not even saying three. Two players in LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I truly believe if Anthony Davis was playing, if Anthony Davis was not soft as hell, if Anthony Davis would agree to play the five, that this roster would overnight look a lot better because he alleviates a lot of things for you. And I'm 100% positive Bron knows that he needs AD. Like, he needs AD. And I'm 100% a component that if AD is healthy and AD is out there, not being sorry, not playing like a punk, and just goes out there and play 80 basketball. 80 is one of the top five best players in the league. Easily. Very, very easily. Do you think he he's past his prime? No, I don't think he's past his prime. Okay. You I think, think he's, he's having just, a bad year? I think, I think he's just Professor Glass. I think he's okay. just Professor Glass. No, but I can't even say he's having a bad year because when AD was out there and AD was, was healthy, AD looked great. Well, I mean, great that is true, but the efficiency there. numbers with shooting – were some of the worst in the link. Mm. Particularly yeah. for mid-range and from I, three. He couldn't have a shot to save and I'm, Yeah, and I'm, I'm very hesitant to say that it was – there's some type of – it was some type of lingering injury. Yeah, definitely. I don't think that one year – a one-year removed from the injury he had and how he was playing prior to – is I don't think he fought, he falls off the cliff that hard, if, if you get what I'm saying. So I get what I'm pretty, you're saying. I'm almost 100% positive, almost 100% positive AD. That AD is still in there. It just needs to come out. Now, the best thing for the Lakers is that they somehow eke into a playing game, playoff spot, and AD comes back completely healthy. And maybe you do need to cut ties with Vogel. And, you know, before that happens, because you need something, you need something has to spark this team. Do you think Fizdale's the firing, answer? Maybe. Because huh? Fizdale's clearly the guy in and line to take Fizdale, over. And Fizdale, I truly, do, I believe David Fizdale is a great coach. I okay. believe that New York shysted him. I think that he was put in, he was, first of all, he was in a terrible, terrible lead structure from the front office with New York. And I think that he wasn't given – now, I, 
grateful for Tibbs, all that. I don't think Fisdale was given the t- chance and the opportunity he should have been given with what he had. They, they kind of cut ties with him really quickly. I think that he did good. He did, you know, for the situation, he did all right in New York. It was on the up and up. I think it could have been better, you know, the next, as the more next season went on. And I think that he did very, very good with Memphis. So I think Fisdale was the spark. I think he will get a spark out of that team. And by the team, I mean majority of the young guys on that roster. Your Malik Monks, your Austin Reeves. And when he comes back, if he can just get over the knee injury, I'm telling you now, Kendrick Nunn is going to be a big factor in this team. He Kendrick Nunn may effectively – I don't want to say that because that's going to come off wrong. That is going to come off wrong and people are going to take it out of context. But I'm going to try to word it correctly. Kendrick Nunn, the production that Kendrick Nunn can give and just being – a solid point guard along with another solid point guard in THT will make the need for Russell Westbrook dwindle and dwindle and dwindle to the point where they feel like if anybody will take them, you can have them. I think we both because, agree. Nobody would take them unless yeah, you trade him for John. Wall. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even joking. I know you're serious, but it's crazy. It was, it's funny as hell. Cause that trade already happened. So it's like, it's yeah. happening again. Teams are just passing Russell Westbrook and John. That's, that's the only the trade league. I could see for Westbrook is if you trade him for John wall. Yeah. So, but I think Kendrick Nunn will be very, very good. Kendrick Nunn is a very, very good basketball player. And I think what he will get out of the young guys and, and helping them get some more consistent production and bringing them out of just the small role that they're in and saying, hey, I know you're young. I know we got some vets on this roster, but I'm throwing you in the starting lineup, Malik Monk. You're playing next alongside LeBron every day. Austin Reeves, depending on the matchup, I'm putting you out there because, look, you are a spot-up shooter, and that's what I need. With LeBron and AD out there, I need somebody that I know for a fact is going to spot up and hit the shot. And don't you dare think about not shooting it. I don't care, you know, if you're a rookie. You got to go up there and put it up. We were dependent on you. So I think that's the, I think that's the spark that they need. And if that happens with AD coming back, I do think the Lakers can kind of go on a run. But as of now, nah, they're an auto fave, man. I can't. I think I'm going to push back a little bit. I agree that Nunn's a good offensive player. He's not exactly known for his defense. And I feel like that's the story or the main reason so why this, this team, team just struggling. needs to blow up defense. I think they just need to blow up defense. You think they I need think to. Team, okay. So you think they need to go full Dan Tony, Sun, score yeah, 130 100%. points per game and see what happens? Because they don't have the personnel. They yeah, don't have. Stop don't. trying to be a defensive minded team if you don't have the personnel. They have the personnel. Malik Monk can put up 20 points a night. Mm. Melo can put up 20 points a night. LeBron can put up 20 points a night. Believe it or not, no matter how terrible he plays at times, Russell Westbrook can put up 20 points a night. AD, we know, can put up 30 points a night. Austin Reeves, I, be- I believe, can can get to 20, but I know for a fact you give him the time. He can get the 10 to he can give me He can give me a good solid 10 to 15. Mm. So... I'm not understanding why, if you look at this personnel, you keep trying to be like, you keep trying to lean on Avery Bradley and fucking Trevor Ariza to boost this defense. And it's not happening Two people that are solid and a little bit past their prime 
playing defense is not going to change this team around. I think Bradley's okay. I think Ariza's got nothing left. Yeah, it's just they're they're trying to make this identity. They're trying to have this defensive identity, and you just don't have the personnel. Stop, like, do what you have the personnel for. That's also why I'm kind of defense matters. That's why I'm defending Vogel a little bit, though. I know he's a defensive-minded coach, and that's kind of how he was raised to coach, which was through defense. But we're mentioning a bunch of situations where giving extended minutes to Austin Reeves, and you're giving minutes to none when he comes back, which is fair. But you're talking about a bunch of guys. That sums up how, what the real problem is. It's the roster. And I made the argument that they should really consider blowing it up. And I know when it comes to money, you'll never trade LeBron because just the, the LeBron economy is real and Cleveland's been feeling his absence ever since. But if you're talking about how you can potentially fully clean house, you're the Lakers. You sign free agents all the time. People want to go there. The only chance yeah. you have to trade Westbrook is if you package him with LeBron. That's the only chance you have to trade. I'm not even <laughs> yeah. joking. Nobody else is going to take. Yeah, no, yeah, nobody's going to take. I mean, it's it. I don't think. I think moderation. Russell Westbrook is fine. I agree. Does that I, exist in I his said, own head? So, I said that I believe that yes, it's fine. You start Russell Westbrook, but you need to move him to something similar to what Steve Nash was doing with. James Harden last year, and yeah, he plays with the starters. He gets his minutes and runs that. But once we get in that next rotation, you're staying in and you're playing with the twos. And I'm gonna run you a lot with the twos. You're gonna initiate offense for the twos and get the twos going while the starters rest. And then I'll bring you in, and at some point we'll work you back in with the starters. But for the majority of this game, I need you to keep making sure that the twos get going because I don't have anybody to run it with them. I think that's the issue. Was, Westbrook has had a decent amount of minutes with the twos. I agree that he should continue to play in the first quarter without being benched and just play straight. But even with the bench unit, his shooting numbers are atrocious. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's, – it's, it's a mess. You're going to get all of Russ. You're going to get all of Russ. You're going to get the good and the bad. And, you know, I, I was disappointed because you remember when the Russ trade happened, around that same time they were talking about the Buddy Heel trade. Mm-hmm. And I thought the Buddy Hill trade was the trade that went through, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's great for the great for them. That is a really, really good piece to add next to AD and LeBron that you know can knock down shots." And so when you find out that the trade is actually for us, it's like, "Oh, well." You know who would have been a really good help on this Lakers team? Who? Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even Caldwell Pope. Montrose Harrell off the bench. Just saying. Like, come, think about the actual roster yeah. that they have yeah. now. Swap yeah, Westbrook. Those- I know Westbrook's been awful. But think of the bench that they have. And now throw in Kuzma, throw in Caldwell Pope. I know one of them would be starting, but still. And throw in Montrez Harrell. Mm-hmm. That's a decent team. Yeah. It, it, they jumped, they might have jumped the gun. They, but it just felt like, they felt like, I think if the first round out was a lot for them. They wanted a contingency because of what AD happened to AD and LeBron last year. They wanted a contingency option. And seeing what Russell Westbrook did with the Wizards when Bradley Beal went down was commendable last year. It really was. Mm-hmm. He did have a really amazing stretch with the Wizards. My take on that is that Russell Westbrook knew for a fact he was playing for his, his career. That that season with the Wizards, that run without Bradley Beal, he knew for a fact he was playing for his career. 
all that pressure is gone now, and he's just going out there fucking up. Like I think it's also a system thing because you, the Wizards took the approach that you have on what the Lakers should do moving forward because you remember that Wizards team. You bet the over every time. You check back in yep. two and a half hours, you had free money because yep. they didn't guard anybody. So every yep. single game the Wizards were playing, you had totals in the 240s, and it didn't even matter because every game was reaching 260. So I feel like Westbrook thrived in that type of chaotic offensive system where you're basically just playing seven seconds or less. And I'm not sure if the Lakers should go that far, but if you want Westbrook above anybody else to be comfortable, I do agree with you. What, as fast as you're going, you got to go about two times faster because Westbrook needs that seven seconds or less. We're going to take a bunch of possessions. Some of them are going to be really bad. Some of them are going to be good. But at the end of the day, we need to score 130 if we're going to win these games. So I can understand absolutely. your point from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And that now, the method that I'm saying, I'm not going to say that the Lakers are going to win a championship doing that because we all know that you can't win a championship just scoring points. I think they're screwed, uh, but you can try to no, do something. Yeah. So I, I pointed this out a while ago, um, back when I was on Clubhouse kind of heavy, and I was in a couple of sports group, and I was pointing out to people when we were talking about the Nets, and everybody earlier in that season said that Brooklyn was a shoe. Last year? Like, oh, it was after last year. So it, matter of fact, it was around when they got uh, – Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge. It was around that time, and everybody said that they're shooing. And I said, "Hold on, wait. If you look at all the NBA champions, that as far as I can go back to right now, two things are going to stick out. They finished the season top ten in offense and top ten in defense. More than that, it's like last in defense, bottom three. Yes, they were la- at that time. They were last in defense. They were absolutely last." And so everybody was like, nope, the Nets are going to go win. Nets are going to go win. I had people that were making bets with me. I'll take Nets to the field. Nets to the field. I was like, fine, I'll take the field. Easy. Because they didn't play defense. And ultimately, when the Nets got bounced out in the playoffs, it wasn't surprising to me because I'm like, no, every NBA champion is top 10 in defense and top 10 in offense. So as as a Nets fan, I'm going to have to push back a little bit. The one game I do agree with you in the regular season where defense became an issue was actually against Westbrook. It was that Wizards mm-hmm. game where Westbrook stole the inbound and ended up hitting that three-pointer. I think it was like 140-something mm-hmm. or 140-something. I still remember it, but they couldn't get a stop to save their lives. The issue I had with the Nets was they didn't guard anybody. And then in the playoffs, you had a question on if they would somehow flip a switch to play defense. And they actually did. I mean, you got to remember, yeah. Milwaukee won the championship, but Harden got injured in about the first minute of the series, and they were up 2 nothing. Each win was by about 20-something points. And then, of course, Kyrie got injured. Harden was already injured, and the team fell apart. So I do agree defense is important. But the Nets, at the end of last year, did flip a switch in the playoffs where they actually played some defense, and they were smacking the eventual champion when they were healthy. So I do think that when you're comparing the Nets from last year to the Lakers from this year, I agree that the main premise is the lack of defense. But I do think that you compare the big three I don't even know if I can call the Lakers situation a big three at this point, but you can't even compare the two because the Nets, at least when they were not guarding anybody, could walk into 130 in any given game. Mm -hmm. The Lakers are walking into 110, and they can give up 120. So that's not exactly what you need. No, no, it's not. And I don't do – the Lakers – I don't think the Lakers are – aside from a magical run from LeBron and AD, I don't think the Lakers are in it. I think even with a magical run from, from LeBron alone, they got no shot. With AD as well playing well, the question is, do I think they're good enough to be Golden State and Dash or Phoenix? I don't. 
I think Phoenix so, and Golden State are so winners. So I think they – I think that – well, I wouldn't say too quickly. I wouldn't say too quickly about Phoenix. Even I think Phoenix, Phoenix is, is really sick. Good. I, think I think that if they get the opportunity, I think if they get the opportunity – they, and they're healthy, and I'm getting that all-world performance from Braun and AD. I think they they remember that first round out last year, and that's going to be something. I, Phoenix is definitely going to be favored. I would hammer the Lakers there. I think that that's something they would get up for. I and think Phoenix would be experience. But yeah, that's I'm, just me. I, I think Phoenix but pound for pound, I think game in, can, game out, might be the best team in the league. And I know ceiling wise, that's not true because of course you have Golden State with Clay and with a healthy Draymond. We haven't really seen much of. You have, of yeah. course, well, the Nets assuming the big three would play, but of course, Kyrie doubled down in his stance, so you're not going to get that at home games. Phoenix just shows oh, so up and I, kicks your ass. Is, are they are they thinking about taking that rule away though? The city of New York? Are they thinking about letting him play for a? It might, of course, there's some fine involved. But the point is, you're not yeah. really sure what the situation is with Kyrie, yeah, so that's still going to be up in the air. And Durant's now injured. But I said on the propcast for on Wednesday on Wednesday's show. Phoenix just shows up and kills you. There's, there's, they're not kind about it. No mercy. You look up, they're up 15. There's yeah. really a Popovich Spurs type feel to it where they play this style of basketball, which for basketball purists is very enjoyable. For most people, it might not be the most exciting brand of basketball, but they will dominate you for 48 minutes, and there's nothing you can do mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the Lakers, yeah, no. especially with the defensive intensity that the Suns have, I don't know how the Lakers would respond to that. Besides doubling down on size and hoping you can dominate the glass, but now the Suns have JaVale McGee, who has actually been really good for them. So shout out to JaVale McGee. So so JaVale McGee's been – I don't know why – wait, no. So I don't know why we've had this – now, I shit on JaVale McGee because JaVale McGee is a goofball. Because he was a meme for the first five years of his career. Yeah, he's a goofball of the NBA player because he was a meme. But JaVale McGee – when the Lakers lost JaVel McGee, that might have been the that might have been the thing that sent them on the downspur. When they lost JaVel McGee and Dwight Howard last season, both of them in that one season was the down because that interior defense, that interior, mm-hmm. those interior defenders for them were partially the reason why they won that championship. Well, JaVel's really solid. Both of them, JaVel's a really solid yeah. either backup big man or you know yeah. some like part time starter, so to speak. Yeah, and so he. And for him to go to, to the Nuggets where he didn't even play, it's just mm-hmm. like, dog, like the Lakers, the Lakers would have had a lot better chance against Phoenix last year in that playoff series that they had Javon McGee. But that's why I'm giving the Lakers a hard time this year because the one issue the yeah. Suns had last year was they had no backup center. And now they yeah. have McGee. And now they got Javon McGee. They even have Biombo who's playing decent minutes off the bench. I know he had a double-double against the Spurs off the bench the other night. But the point is, if that was the one area – the Lakers had a bunch of, I'd just say, success in against the, the Suns. It was on the inside because they couldn't guard AD, and LeBron mm-hmm. could also pad some rebounds. I know Drummond was on the roster for the Lakers last year. He didn't really do much, but he could clean up on the glass when needed. That was pretty much all he did. I just don't know how this Lakers team, even when they're playing relatively well, is good enough to be Phoenix in seven or good enough to be no, so, Golden State in seven. So my premise around that, my premise around that is that I think that a and it's solely on the chance that I'm getting an all world like I'm talking literally averaging 30 and 30 the whole series. You need NBA finals run AD, that's what you need. Yeah, and NBA finals run AD and LeBron from down 3 1 against the Warriors. If you combine that, then 
any production from the rest is first of all, I don't care what your defensive stats are for that season, but you're you're going to give up points because you're going to be so focused on trying to stop those two, and then one you're not going to stop those two, and then you're going to open up everybody else on the court and get some. So you those defensive stats are going to go out the way. So that's why I was like, if I'm if I know what I'm getting out of LeBron and AD, and I'm getting what I'm thinking in my head, I truly do think that they could beat the Suns and they could upset the Suns. I think that if LeBron and AD are completely on as they should be, they this team can rival for an NBA championship, but I do not see myself getting that production out of both of them. I yeah, just I think don't. you're talking about like an otherworldly, all the cosmos aligning situation, which is fair. Yes. But and, I do think that I, if the Suns are going to lose, and even if that even if that doesn't happen, Chris Paul's got to get injured. That's really the only way I oh, think yeah. the Lakers can and, win this year. And and I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm not I, saying I, that I I'm rooting for it or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not Paul rooting gets for injured, it, but. Then the Lakers are one. That's not outside the rubble possibility. Yeah. It's really not. So. I got to throw it out there. All right. Let's, we, we talked about them for a, a lot longer. There's only three should've. games, okay? So deal with us, okay? <laughs> We're doing right, our best. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and hop into the Central Division of the NBA and break down some win totals, well, what win totals we do have, and, you know, think about, talk about how we think they're, they're going to look at for the rest of the season. So going up first, the Chicago Bulls. In the Central Division, currently sitting in first place. First of all, first and third is separated by three games, two and a half games. Yeah, yeah two and, two and, and a half, I think. So, Chicago, 28-15, got a big division win against the Cavs last night. They had a preseason win total of 39 and a half. I don't have the now win total because they just played and the books don't have it updated. But 39 and a half, I will go ahead and say it. I faded the Chicago team. I faded the Chicago team in the preseason. I thought that DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo – first of all, I loved the Lonzo Ball move. I was really pissed off because I wanted Lonzo Ball in the Knicks. But the Lonzo Ball was a great move. I don't think that they – I didn't think that the Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine – first of all, I thought Zach was getting traded. That just told me that, hey, Zach's days are numbered and Vucevic, I didn't see that pair, that tandem working, especially because they don't have any interior defense. But holy God, it, it, it is great. They started off as one of the best defensive teams in the league. And they, they were just shooting, they were shooting the lights out of the gym. They, were, they are effectively, when they're healthy, they are one of the best teams in the East. And I didn't expect that from them. I think the issue you have now is how long it's going to take for them to be healthy again because Lonzo had, let's just say, new information that came up that suggests he might be out for a while. Now, we don't know mm-hmm. how long a while actually is. Could be mm-hmm. a month, could be two months. Hell, it could be the rest of the season. So if Lonzo, assuming worst-case scenario, is out for the season, is there any chance they win the division? No. I agree. No, not with, not with Milwaukee and Cleveland. Right there, no. And you mentioned the defense, which was good to start the year. They're 19th in defensive efficiency. So they kind of fell off a cliff a bit defensively. Have it you hasn't seen mattered. The past, have you seen them since when Lonzo went out with COVID? Yeah. That's when the defense crumbled. When Lonzo hopped into COVID protocol, they were giving up 20, 120 points a night. And then Caruso came back, and they gave up 104 to the Cavaliers last night. Yeah. So 
Uh, the Cavaliers team that's really good scoring. Uh, I had the Cavs last night. I beat a line move. It didn't matter anyway. I thought it was a very good yeah. spot for the Cavs, but still. No, it, it, that was the game for them to get up for. It really was, I, which I is why was. I might have some problems with the Cavs moving forward, but I do mm-hmm. think that the Bulls, of course, I like Levine. DeRozan's been phenomenal. The fact that DeRozan's got an MVP recognition tells you how good he's actually been this year. But yeah. I look at that defense, and I think that without Lonzo, no offense to Caruso, but Caruso has not really been that much of a starter. He's more of a sixth man, so to speak. Yep. I don't think they're going to get enough stops now because Alonzo is the guy on perimeter defense that you can rely on. Now you don't mm-hmm. have that. Vucevic has never been a good rim protector. You just mentioned that. Mm-hmm. I do think they're going to make – of course, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make a run for this division. But do I think the real question is can they compete with Milwaukee? Now that Milwaukee's gotten Drew Holiday back and, you know, they're finally looking to be somewhat full strength, I don't. I don't think they're good enough to match up with Milwaukee. They have to make a trade for Miles Turner. They have and now Turner's out. They, they have to – yeah, so they have to find some type of way to get a, get a trade going for Miles Turner. I don't, know, I don't know how long Turner's going to be out for. Is he out, because, is he out because of injury or is he out because they were just sitting him trying to trade him? Oh, no, it's injury. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh, he's, thought, out for like, he's out for a couple weeks. Okay, I thought he. I thought it was out because I thought he were out. No, he's he's out. a foot. He has a stress him. reaction in his left foot. So they didn't say it was fractured, but when you're out for two weeks minimum already, mm-hmm. it could be a potentially serious injury for Miles Turner. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I thought. I, I mean, hopefully. How is Miles Turner only twenty five? I feel like he's been in the league for five for like ten years. I mean, isn't that like Jared Allen? It, it never Jared ends, man. You look up Jared and Allen like, is 23. Jason Tatum's like 24, and you're just like, what, yeah, what is so happening? It's because guys are hopping in yeah. the league at 17, 18 years old and it, like regular. So, yeah, I, the other day we just I was just sitting there talking. I said, damn, Jared Allen's 23. Shit. <laughs> he's, gonna, he's got a lot of good basketball left. All right. So, what do you see? Where do you see? Well, I guess we already kind of preluded to it. You think that this team is a little bit on downhill. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to slam. So if you got that thirty nine and a half, they're going to slam that win total. By the way, they're, uh, they're, they're that, that's over. It, it's but over. If you bet it, if it, you bet it beginning of the season, you probably have already started celebrating. Yes, and so, however, I think that I think they're going to hit this, a wall. If it climbed, if it climbed to you know forty five, forty six, forty seven, definitely. If this is anywhere near fifty, I'm willing to fade. Uh. I don't have we don't have in line right now. We don't have, I'm assuming it'll be around fifty. Yes, because so we look at Milwaukee, and I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but Milwaukee's twenty eight and nineteen, and their win total now is forty nine and a half. So it's it's safe to assume that Chicago is is relatively around fifty. Yeah, around. Yeah, I would fade that. I don't think they get. 50. I don't think they get there. I think if you want to look at my thoughts on the end of the season, they'll finish with forty seven. Yeah, a little bit short. Somewhere still around. a respectable record, but probably not good yeah. enough to go over the active win total. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Milwaukee Bucks currently twenty-eight and nineteen, second place in the division. They had a preseason win total of fifty-four and a half for the defending champions. Now they're at forty-nine and a half, juice to the over minus one forty-five. So, barring injury, the- over. Yeah, barring of course, barring over. injury over. This is they are the defending champions, and they are coming back and playing like. It. But we've always known Milwaukee to do this. They've been 
they've dominated the regular season for the past few years. Mm-hmm. Dominate the regular season. Anybody dominated. They are getting in a stride. The issue with Milwaukee that I have now is their bench. Now, that's due to some injuries. DiVincenzo still was out for majority of the year. He's a really great bench piece for them, and he kind of adds more to that rotation. Drew Holiday has been in and out of the lineup for a very long time. They had got hit with COVID. Portis would uh, be a bench player if Lopez was playing. <laughs> yeah, Lopez not playing. Um, so they have a whole bunch. They have depth that's, that's injured or coming back from injury right now, which, one, makes me want to hop over this live win total even more because I still – think that they are spitting distance from their preseason win total with the run they're about to go on in the second half of the season. I'm going to give you a trivia question. Okay. There's been 20 games this season where Giannis, Middleton, Andrew Holiday have all played. 20 games. Okay. Do you want to guess how many wins they have? Got to be like 17. Correct. They're 17 and 3. Yeah. Great. Hey, he did not tell me that beforehand, by the way. Just letting y'all know that. That's a solid guess. I'm I'm very good at trivia, just so y'all know. Like, just so y'all know, I'm really good at trivia because he didn't tell me that. Before it's a casual flex, this. but anyway, yeah. Very point casual is, flex. you're All seventeen right, and three <laughs> when you're big. Th- you're seventeen and three when you're big three play. So that tells yep. me, even with the bench issues, they're just world beaters when all three of them play. And I think that I think the bench is going to come a play. It's going to play a part in the playoffs. I think it's going to play a part in the playoffs, especially when. You, I foresee that if we get the playoff performance that we've seen from Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton from last year, where they were on and off, on and off, on and off, mm-hmm. that bench production is going to mean a lot. And you're, they're going to need everybody to be healthy, and they're going to need their top of the top bench players in there and producing because this team has – I just had the note written from last year – from not last year, from yesterday. They have the second-worst bench scoring in the league. You know who would really help this team? The second worst bench scoring in the league. You know what helped this team? Who? Terrence Ross. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Bring Terrence Ross off the bench? It would be a huge move. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. A guy that understands that, hey, I'm not going out there to play magical minutes every single night, but best believe when I go out there, I'm going to I'm going to shoot the ball. Shoot the hell out the ball. Yeah. I'm gonna score the basketball. You put the ball in my hand and just give me five guys on the court. I mentioned with Munaf yesterday that the Suns could also be a potential candidate for Terrence Ross just because he has to be on the move. I, I know for a fact, A, they're gonna trade him to Orlando. Yes. And B, for the Suns, anybody's better than Landry Shamit in my eyes, but Ross is definitely better than Landry Shamit. But for Milwaukee, I think, that, I think that's a perfect fit. I think that Terrence Ross is similar to what Marcus Morris, the race that for Marcus Morris was when he was on the Knicks. I think it's going to be similar to that where everybody's like, holy crap, this is going to be a bench player that can help take us over the top. Mm-hmm. And I mean, people are just, I, I think they're out of their mind and they're not putting in their bids for Terrence Ross. And I think, I think Ross is a perfect fit for that Milwaukee bench line. unit. He's going to be somebody by the deadline that everybody's going to be looking and the trade is mm-hmm. going to happen. And we're all going to be sitting there like this team just made a play for the championship. Mm-hmm. I like Milwaukee over. I think they're going to win the division. I, as much as I would love to make a case for a pretty serious do- uh, dog, we're going to talk about Cleveland in a second. Milwaukee, when the three guys are healthy, I just think are too good. They've mm-hmm. been there before. 
They finally won a title, so you can make an argument that maybe they'll take their foot off the gas a little bit at the end of the regular season to stay healthy. I don't see that. With Budenhoser, the one consistent thing, they're going to dominate the regular season. And I think the main reason why they've been struggling or have been a little bit, I'll just say, behind pace is because Holiday was injured, Middleton had COVID for a couple of weeks, and they just weren't fully healthy. Now that they're back, assuming it stays that way, I think they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, at the end of the day, and I'm honestly kind of waiting to see it, but do you remember – I don't know how much preseason basketball you watched. And I, I think that – and so I think that he's going to surprise people with this in the playoffs because he hasn't pulled it out in the regular season. But did you see the shots that Giannis was taking in that preseason? Yeah, he was the, the dribble and step in three-pointers. He was pulling up from everywhere, from three, from mid-range. from He was tapping back into that shooter Giannis when he first got into the league because what people don't remember is that Giannis was a shooter when he got into the league. And so uh, I have a group chat with some of my friends, and they pulled up a, a graphic that said Giannis has made more career threes than Anthony Davis. And they're like, that's wild. That's so wild. Like, that can't be, that can't be true. And I'm like, did y'all not – watch basketball in the beginning of Giannis's career he literally that's what he did because he what he was he was skinny as hell well it's also because drive. when AD came into the league it was before shooting threes by big men were cool so yeah, he was more taking long twos instead of threes. Yeah, also so I'm like no Giannis didn't care Giannis was pulling up from all over the court and he tapped back into that in that preseason and I've been waiting all season and I said and on that day I said I kind of kicked myself because I said, why did I not just get another future for Giannis MVP? As of right because, now, I think that there should be two serious candidates for MVP. No offense to Steph fans, I don't have him in it. I think I that either. the two it's, guys no, are Giannis and Jokic. That's it. I think those are the two favorites. I think Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid is Embiid's, Embiid's fair. The question is, do you think he can stay healthy for the rest of the season? I don't know. In a perfect world, he's healthy in the regular season. He's definitely and I a, had a vote, and if and I had a vote, Joe at at right now, Joel Embiid would be my vote. If I had a vote, I'd give it to Jokic. I know the records, of course, are not exactly ideal for Denver right now, yeah. And it's not just an overreaction to the forty nine, fourteen, and ten last night, which is one of the dumbest stat lines I've seen in years. <laughs> but Jokic won MVP last year, having one of the best offensive seasons of all time, and he's somehow mm-hmm. even better this year. I'm not sure how that's possible. That's what's happened. They have no Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter Jr., and Jokic is a one-man just destroyer of worlds at this point. He would get my vote. Jokic is just on another level at this point. I think Embiid would be in my top three, but I would definitely have Jokic ahead of him right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jokic is playing out of his mind. And honestly, a cheat code. Clippers need to retire his jersey in the rafters because he owns the team. (laughs) Oh, man. Man, Scott, I'm so mad that – why did I play Russ double-double and Lakers win? I could have played any Jokic prop in Denver to win. I tried Westbrook triple-double against the Kings the uh, like a week or two ago just blindly because totals in the 230s, 240s. You're expecting Westbrook to put up stats, yeah. worst-case scenario, and yeah. it just hasn't happened. No, it's ridiculous. All right, well, whatever. We beat Milwaukee in the head. They're probably going to win this division. Really, really good. Still in it to – repeat as NBA champions. And They're around 3-1 to one to win the East. That seems like stealing to me. It does. It does feel kind of low. 
It really does. Especially because I, I don't. So I told, and I just, I'm jumping around, and we're going to talk about them next week. But I told Moon off yesterday that the Nets low key suck. I think the Nets low key suck. As a Nets fan, that supporting cast is an absolute joke. And Harden, yes, Harden looks lost half the time. Absolutely. So we did, uh, what was it? We did for 2022 are like hot takes what was something that was going to happen in 2022 that you know people weren't really expect and Moonoff said he thinks James Harden is going to be traded or he's going to leave he he doesn't think that James Harden is going to return to the Nets it's so and, tricky with the Kyrie situation because and the so, Nets have a choice between and that Harden was the, and Kyrie that was the handicap that he had he was like he's been saying this and he's been telling us he doesn't feel comfortable playing next to Kyrie. He doesn't know what his role is on the team or what it's supposed to be. And he basically used that as his handicap to saying, yeah, I think he's just going to leave. I, I it would never happen mid season. It would have to be during the off season, but yes, yeah. yeah, so it would have to be during the off season, but absolutely. And I, and I was sitting there and I'm like, I get it because how many times does Milwaukee need to beat the nets before people realize Milwaukee's the better team? I don't know. The games haven't know. been close. Maybe they have to. Maybe maybe they have to do it in the playoffs again for people to believe it. I've been I was ha- I've been hammering Milwaukee and cashing pretty easily. The Bucks were so, missing half their team against the Nets a couple weeks ago. They still won by about twenty five. And I think they were like four point. They were four point dogs. In yeah, it, it was, was ridiculous. Like, I had a player prop ridiculous. in that game. I, I just had Giannis yeah. over. Giannis walks into thirty plus points every time he plays the Nets. Absolutely. So. Whatever. All right, let's save next talk. We'll uh, go into them. And Is the upcoming we, team feature your coach of the year? Yes, it does. The Cleveland Cavaliers at 27 and 19, preseason win total of 27 and a half. <laughs> Over or under the preseason win total? It's a hell of a job. I'll go with the over. Oh, my gosh. Now they have a regular season win total of 46 and a half. Ooh, that's kind of high. The Cavs have a play for coach of the year. I think J.B. Bickstaff is easily the coach of the year. Easily. I gave out his – I sat on this podcast, and I told people to bet his coach of the year at 40 to 1 odds. I said, that is, that is your coach of the year. Was it now, 5 to 1? Up. I think he's four to one. It's four to one. I think it's four to one right now. Moonoff Moonoff normally gives me the JB Bickerstaff update, and if I I wouldn't even sell the ticket on Prop Swap honestly because I'm that certain that he's Coach of the Year. And I think short of Chicago being the one seed, could Billy Donovan steal it? Truth is, that I is think the Don- only. I I disagree with you personally. I think right now the favorite's Monty Williams. I think Monty Williams right now with the Suns, if they win 64 games, it's his award because he got hosed last year. But do you just feel like... I get the differential with the wins. You don't think Monty Williams has the Bill Belichick? You don't think Monty Williams has the Bill Belichick? Truth is, I I think the argument you have is that Belichick actually won a couple Coach of the Year awards. The thing is, a lot of these awards, because it's the media voting, etc., a lot of it's narrative-based. And Cleveland is definitely a very good team, and Bickerstaff deserves to be a finalist, which he will be, and deserves yeah. to be in the top two. The issue that you have is, A, how many people are actually watching Cleveland in the beginning of the season? Not many. Mm-hmm. So I do think that the fact that they're in a small market doesn't help. B, I think Monty Williams arguably should have won the award last year, 
and he got hosed. He should have. We talk about LeBron maybe getting a legacy MVP because people feel like he earned, he deserves another one. The fact that Williams did not win last year and the Suns are on pace for 60-something wins, I do think the voters might just hand it to him because of what happened last year. I think that's the one thing stopping it. I, I do, and that's, that is a concern. Monty Williams is a concern. Monty Williams is a great coach. I will say that where I feel like teams are – not teams, voters – are going, they're going to put it on Chris Paul. And they're going to be like, yes, Monty Williams, you're there, but Chris Paul is there also. And Chris Paul is effectively a coach in that locker room. And, and everything that Chris Paul – and I don't like that that diminishes what Monty Williams is doing because I don't think that diminishes what he's doing at all whatsoever. And Chris Paul has said that, that, you know, he was so happy when he was mm-hmm. coaching – when he was playing with uh, Monty Williams again and being coached by Monty Williams again and how much that, uh, that Monty Williams has had impact on him. So I don't agree with that narrative at all, but I've just seen how voters have voted in the past. And while it might not be fair to Monty Williams, I would love to see him win coach of the year. I'm a very big fan. I do think how the voters are going to go. If this Cleveland team is, first of all, the playoffs kind of already told me that he would go to win if they made the playoffs. But if this team is one of the upper playoff teams, like if they're five and above, and then, yeah, I, I was thinking four or above, but same page, same idea. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, the way I'm looking at it, just to ask though, let's just say the Suns continue their trajectory. The Suns go 63 wins, mm-hmm. one seed. Mm-hmm. Williams doesn't win the award. I think no, he does. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, it, it's hard not to give it to him. It's, it's hard not to give it to him. So you mentioned Donovan. I don't think Donovan's got a shot. No offense to him, he's done a great job with Alonzo being out. We expect Chicago to struggle a bit in the second half. Phoenix, they already went on a massive win streak this year. They played Dallas tonight. We'll talk about that game in a bit. It should be a very mm-hmm. good game. Mm-hmm. Phoenix looks like they're on the war path again. Well, yeah. you're just watching them play some of these teams. They have the seventh easiest schedule in the league for the rest of the season. They might have another double-digit win streak because they just smack teams. And I do yeah. think that if the Suns win 60 for a candidate who basically got snubbed last year, Thibodeau, you know, don't get me wrong, he was a deserving option, whatever. But the point is, I do think that if you're looking for a tiebreaker between two very good cases, last year's snubbing, I do think, would be the tiebreaker for Monty Williams. I can't get mad at that. I can't get mad at that. Yeah. So, we'll see. Like I said, 40-1 counter. If the 40-1 hits, man, oh my gosh, the victory lap that, yeah. that, that we take there is huge. But speaking speaking I, of, by the way, some awards, can we get some recognition for Garland for most improved? So I am, and that is where I'm struggling because early on in the season, I was all in. Jared Allen needs to be most improved. Jared Allen, Jared Allen is my most improved. But oh my gosh, the run that Darius Garland is going on right now. He's sick. He's a walking 20 and 10. Mm-hmm. Walking 20 and 10. Absolutely. He absolutely looks like the fourth overall pick. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely looks like the fourth overall pick that he was drafted to be. Oh my gosh. I just don't know. I I, I don't <laughs> I don't know. That is ridiculous. He is so good. And so 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 fucking good. So here we are with the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's at 46 and a half. While I do really, really like this team. Why I do think that 
you know, they have a potential coach of the year candidate. They have multiple uh, most improved. Rookie of the year. Possibly they have rookie of the year on the roster. I think they have an all-star on their roster. They should. I I think with KD going to be out for certain. Sabonis, potentially. Sabonis potentially is going to be out as well. I don't know how bad the injury is, but it's not great, you know? Yeah. It, if he plays on it now, it's, you would think that when All-Star comes around in about a month, he's not going to be playing on it. Plus, most people just want it on the resume, made the All-Star yes. team. They don't care about playing. At all. And then, plus, at COVID, and it is in Cleveland this year. Yeah. Jared Allen has to be an All-Star this year. Yeah, I agree. Jared Allen has to be, and that was my case for the Jared Allen most improved prop. Because when you go back and you think about these first time All Stars, they tend to win most improved. Julius Randle did it first time All Star. Pascal Siakam did it first time All Star. So having that on the resume is huge. If you're a first time All Star, that's ha- that is huge to mm-hmm. have it on the resume for you to go go in and be most improved. So. That's why, and I think Jared Allen was 40 to 1 when I talked about it too. Jaw's the favorite now, right? Jaw has to be, Jaw more than, it's so crazy because we know Jaw to do this. It's just he's a combined with injuries. Yeah, I was going to say, is Jaw improved or is he just healthy? That's what I think it is. I don't think he's improved. I think he's just healthy. And that's why I didn't give it, I personally wouldn't give it to Jaw, even though Jaw is playing otherworldly. Jaw would be all pro for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out, would, to, so Ma- shout out to Miles Bridges on the side, too, because he's also – Yes, Miles really Bridges. So, Miles Bridges was one of the people that I felt like very very much could contend for most improved with mm-hmm. Jared Allen. But the reason I wouldn't give Jaws because I think Jaws just healthy. I don't think he's improved. And mm-hmm. I like to give this award to somebody who actually, like, took their game to another level, and I think Jared Allen did that. But Jaws would 100% – I would reward Jaws with the all-pro vote. He would yeah. 100% be in my all-pro. So – Getting to the win total while we keep getting off topic, talking about numerous different awards. Well, we got to talk about Garland because, I mean, he's been great. But yes, they have 20, the Cleveland has 29 wins now. They're a young team, so you do have to wonder yes. if the potential just length of the marathon is going to hurt this team because unlike previous years, they can't pack it in at this point in the mm-hmm. season where mm-hmm. they're kind of going through the motions in previous years, and now they're not. Mm-hmm. Cleveland should be a buyer at the deadline. Or do you think they just stay pat because they have a good young core? I think Cleveland is. I don't know what they need. They can't be a seller. They can't be a seller because they're playing so well. That's so, always how I determine some win totals. I try to look at what yeah. teams will be buying. We mentioned Milwaukee potentially going for a Terrence Ross type. Cleveland really has a bunch of pieces, and I'm not sure what they really need. I think Cleveland would be a buyer next year. Yeah. With Sexton healthy and I think you just keep exactly, the young core and let it ride. Yeah, what so I don't think they make a move. I think this year yeah. you just, hey, we're having a good run. Nothing's broken. Let's Maybe a backup point it. guard. I mean, you got Rondo. Yeah, I don't absolutely. know. I don't know how that's, some, that's gonna work. Absolutely but. some 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 guard def if you can get it, but we're not gonna go and make a rash decision knowing that, hey, we're gonna have this, we're gonna have Rubio back for def. And we're going to have Colin Sexton back in that lineup. Mm-hmm. And so, imagine and a good have the draft. And then we're also going to have the draft. So, 
I wouldn't make any rash decisions if I were them. I would just say, hey, let's just cruise through. Let's get to the playoffs, and let's play our hearts out in the playoffs. Yeah, that's all I, that's all I feel. So I will fade the 46 and a half. It's a tad, tad too much for me. I think that they have a good second half. I think that they keep riding some very good trends. But ultimately, uh, the rest of the league is getting healthier. The rest of the league is getting hungrier for teams trying to make playoff spots. And they're going to try to take advantage of teams like the Cleveland Cavaliers to get an extra win on their, on their resume. And uh, I'm sure yeah. a couple of teams can actually do that and make that happen. So I'm going to fade it. I think they'll be close. I don't think they'll hit it. I think it might be an overreaction, but that loss against Chicago last night concerns me because Chicago looked like a team that was in the verge of a massive free fall. Cleveland was rolling. Chicago, we know, is shorthanded. And Cleveland was getting killed somewhere in the third quarter. Then they came back, cut it to one. Then I believe Chicago went in a 10-0 run, and they lost by double digits. I know it's one game, but that's a game I feel like a team that's going to compete for a division needs to have, mm-hmm. and Cleveland just didn't get it. So I do think they're a year away. I'll go with the under. I do think that they've been on the relatively healthy side. I know mm-hmm. uh, Mobley missed a little bit of time, not much. Of course, Sexton's out, but they've been playing well without him anyway. I do think that this team will finish around 45. This number mm-hmm. seems very, very sharp. So I do think they'll finish with around 45 or 46. So I'm leaning under. I can't bet this. This line seems like it's exactly where it should be. Yeah, I like it. All right, moving on. We have, I was going to ask, because I know we're taking a long time. We've still got two games. How much time do you actually want to spend on these two teams? Because I feel like we're going to be on the same page. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't yeah, know absolutely. what else to say. We're not, this is going to be quick. Watch this. Blow it Indiana up, Pacers. Indiana. Blow it up. <laughs> Indiana Pacers, 16 and 29. Is that a nine? Did I write that weird? They are 16 and 29. Yeah, 16 and 29. Preseason win total of 43 and a half. I no idea. I'm pretty sure I was on the under here. No idea how. On paper, they have a good team. Kind of. I faded the same ever since they have fired Nate McMillan for effectively no reason. And they haven't let me down since. You're not a Carlisle guy? Oh, no. No. And Jason Kidd is showing you why nobody should be a Carlisle guy. (laughs) He, he has the exact same team. We talk about the Jazz. Uh, yeah. Jason Kidd has the exact same team. Well, I still feel like Carlisle, even though, of course, they won the, he won the championship with the Mavericks. I went on a bit of a rant on the propcast about the Pacers a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm pretty sure Carlisle is a one-hit wonder as a coach. Yep. And there's nothing yep. wrong with it. You know, Not you win a title. Nope. That can is work perfectly out, fine. You have the hardware. I don't know how many times you have to lose in the first round before people start to blame the coach. Absolutely. I don't have a win total right now for the Indiana Pacers. I'm not taking the over. I, I wouldn't take the over at Turner's all. out. Sabonis I, now has injury issues. They're probably going to trade either Levert, Brogdon, or somebody. they got to blow up half the team. I would, I would not be hesitant to say that the Indiana Pacers don't have a really good chance of winning the lottery. If we just think about how the teams that have come out of the lottery and, you know, the typical lower – like, they have – they don't have the highest odds, but they don't have the lowest odds. They're somewhere kind of in that middle. If they tank, they'll finish bottom six, probably. And I think that that is a good spot for them. And I think that they'll, I think they could finish bottom six and then end up being one of the top three teams picking in the draft next year. Do you keep anybody? Because <sighs> wow. I really like Sabonis, but at I, some point you got to wonder. I, 
Chris Duarte. Okay. Does that count? Do you keep Brogdon? I, I mean, for now. Okay. For now. Turner has I to go. Move. I'm shocked Turner's Turner. There. Turner has to move. Sabonis, I'm fine with keeping. If you're saying that you want to, if you want to make him that guy, I don't think he's going to be that franchise love player that everybody's just going to be like, oh, we absolutely love him. But as a small market traded, team who doesn't attract many free agents, you might want to keep one guy just to have that something people set. like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, one guy that people like, and I'm sure that Sabonis can be that. Mm-hmm. So sure, keep him. I would move Levert this year. Levert's been such a terrible. I would get team. picks. I would get the pick. I I would send him to if he if you could get Sam Presti to get on board, I'd send him to OKC. Be like, mm-hmm. let me get one of those a couple of those million pick draft picks you got. Cool. I'd send him over there. I don't think that Presti would make that move without you know having. I think Presti would want something bigger. Yeah. So I don't think well, he'll depends make that on the asking price though. Hurt. Yeah. But that's somewhere I would send him. I would pack. I would send him anywhere I can get draft picks. If I can get a first back for Karis Levert, cool. Great. It doesn't even matter where in the first. If I get a first back for him, fine. I think you would 100% get a first for him. I would. I will make take him. Miles mm. Turner the same, because Miles Turner is somebody. He's going to be coveted. I do think that he'll be gone by the deadline. He will be the person on the deadline that gets moved. I'm still I not sure how good Miles Turner actually is, but his defense is undeniable. He's a great rim that's, protector, and that's all. That's all you gotta look for. I'm not even looking at him on the offensive side of the ball. I could give, I could give a hair less. Mm-hmm. I really could, because at the end of the day, he's he's not bad enough where if teams leave him alone, that he's not going to exploit them. Mm-hmm. But the the what he adds defensively and as an interior defender is going to be unmatched for a playoff run. Going yeah. to be unmatched. There's no way that these playoff teams that claim they want an NBA championship let the Indiana Pacers sit on Miles Turner when they're so avidly trying to trade him. Yeah. The way I look at it, I got to like the under on the Pacers anyway because at yeah. some point they're bad anyway. They got to blow it up. And if you're expecting tank. a team to sell, you got to take the under. I would tank for the rest of the season. I would. There's no point. All right. Moving on to the Detroit Pistons. 11-33 and 33 on the season. Preseason win total of 25 and a half. They are now sitting at 21 and a half, juice to the over at minus 135. Basically, you're betting on Kate Cunningham and Kate Cunningham getting back into the rookie of the year conversation. He's been playing really well lately, but I don't think the actual team's any good, which isn't a shock because, you know, they have one of the worst records in the league. The question that I'm going to ask, do you think when the season's basically over, Mm-hmm. Do you think the Pistons, with the young core, who are still playing hard, potentially for minutes for next season, are they going to beat some teams that have nothing to play for? Are they going to sneak up on teams that are either clinched into their playoff spot or just out and sneak up on some teams late because they're playing for pride? Yes, That's what it comes down to. So this is why I'm on the over. Because I think the Pistons are the best of all the shitty teams. I think they're playing like, especially when Jeremy Grant comes back. Yeah. I think they're, they are the best of all the shitty teams. He might be on the move, but that's a separate story. Yeah, possibly. Even without him, if, as constructed right now, with Kay Cunningham and Sadiq Bey leading away and Hamadou Diallo leading away basically for this team, I think that they're the best of all the shitty teams in the league. We just saw that with their comeback win against the uh, Kings last night. Mm-hmm. 
And I do think that they're good enough to catch teams with something to play for slipping where they just look past them. This is the Pistons. Mm -hmm. We go ahead and route them easy. I think they're good enough to catch them slipping. So I'm effectively 10 more games. I need 10 more games of this, 11 more games of this. Over the course of 30-plus, almost 40 games, I think I think they have a pretty good chance. I think they have a pretty good chance of sneaking up. Especially, This is going to be a sweat, and I, I would not get – if you have the over 25-and-a-half, you're screwed. I'll let you know that right now. They're not getting to 26. I think they finished 22-23. Yeah, I feel like it's close. I think I convinced myself to take the over because I do think, as you mentioned, they can catch a team slipping. Yeah, you're going to have to mention the teams that might be resting stars late in the regular season because they don't care about seeding and they already are in the playoffs. So they might be able to win a couple of games at the end. But the one thing that diff, that you can separate Detroit from Indiana is that Indiana has an incentive to blow it all up. Detroit doesn't. They got one guy, Jeremy Grant, who's not playing, who they could trade. And yep. potentially a Linux, but he's been injured, you know, whatever. But the point is, is that with a young core, you're going to have to let them go through the struggles. Houston's going to do the same thing. You're going to have teams with a bunch of young guys who are going to play some really awful basketball at times. And you know what? It's a learning curve. They're going to have to figure something out. It's all an experiment. They're going to have a couple of years to try to figure it out. And the best way you figure it out is through reps. So if I'm not worried about Detroit blowing up the team besides Jeremy Grant, that's basically it, I like the over because I do think that for as bad as this team has played this season, the fact that they are currently at 11 wins mm-hmm. is really not bad because it looked yeah. like they were going to win maybe 11 the entire season for about the first month and a half. Cade mm-hmm. has looked really good when healthy, and I do think that Detroit, when he's on the court, is much better, obviously, as the number one pick. I'll go with the over. I kind of agree with you exactly. I think they'll finish with 22-23. So, just kind of scouring and just glancing at the games remaining. They have four games against the Celtics. Okay. They'll win at least I one of those because the Celtics are psycho. At least one. At, at least the one. very least one. I would say two. Yeah, that's fair. They have two games against the Magic. They have two games against the, the Pacers. Okay. And the, the games that they have against the Pacers are in March and April where effectively I think they're full on in tank mode because this is after the deadline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, say they – I say they win two against – they split that series with the Celtics. I say they sweep the last two games against the Pacers. And I say that they win one of the two against the Magic. That's five. Yeah. I think over the course of these next few months, they can catch a couple of other teams slipping because it's not even like they're playing – well, they're playing the Trailblazers late. By the time they play the Trailblazers, I think Trailblazers are going to be on – we're going to see what the Wizards do. We're still juries out on what the Wizards are going to be for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. They have a few games against the Wizards. But when you – we're looking late. So now I'm looking into teams that we know are in the playoffs. Their last – I'm working from the last game, and I'm going up. They have 76 as their last game. They're more yeah. than likely resting. They should. Bucks. Okay. Resting. Mavericks. Resting. Game for that, Pacers tank and the thunder we don't know what they're doing so there's going to be some opportunities to catch the pistons getting a bunch of huge numbers at the second half of the year 
Oh, absolutely. And motivation absolutely. for some of these playoff teams are going to be in question. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm with you on the I like over. the Pistons. I like the Pistons on the way back. Okay. All right, here. Let's talk about better fantasy. The fantasy season may be over, but action is still coming on the Better Fantasy app. Download their free-to-play app today to bet on players' props for the NFL playoffs. You can also enter their player prop pools and score big when you win. We love Better Fantasy because we can win awesome prizes and raise some money for charity along the way, too. It's totally free-to-play. You'll earn better credits by completing challenges and use them to place your bets. Better Fantasy is available worldwide in all 50 states. Download the app today over at betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. That's betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. Since when did sports betting become so rigid? Sports betting is meant to be social. When I picture betting, I picture bootleggers with mustaches tossing bets around a speakeasy. SoBet is taking the socio lineage of betting and putting a modern twist on it by providing a modern platform. SoBet is changing the game with their new product. Head over to SoBet.io and create an account to see for yourself. Through their fully functioning free web application, you can access a demo of their app, which will launch next fall. The app includes consensus lines from Vegas, a feed of what other people are betting on, and the ability to send friendly wages to anyone you know via text, QR codes, and links, among other methods. No money is transacted on the app, and it's purely competitive. Next time you're with your friends, watching sports, turn up the dial up a notch and go bet SoBet.io and see who can hit the most ridiculous bets like that Houston plus 700. Ooh, if I challenged anybody, because it was a bunch of people that were on Utah probably, I would have won. I don't want against a lot of people. Users have the ability to place bets on Vegas odds or generate a bet by changing any metric they want as long as somebody on the other side is willing to accept. Let's get back to the roots of betting with SoBet. Go to SoBet.io slash SGPN. That's SoBet.io slash SGPN today and join the revolution. And also, join the SGPN app. Download the SGPN app. The SGPN app is, de- is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. That gives you easy access to all our picks and podcasts. So don't forget to toss, a, toss us an app review and download the SGPN app today. All right. We talked about the Central Division. Quick, so you're on Milwaukee to win? Yeah. I can't go against Milwaukee when Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis are healthy again. I would 100% place that. Plus 300 is wild. Well, wait, no, that's for the Eastern. That was Eastern Conference. I still like yeah, that for Milwaukee. But. Yeah, Eastern Conference. I would place a bet on them to win the Eastern Conference. It's probably not any juice in placing them to win the division. I think that for shits and giggles. Division's case, minus 125. Oh, well, I still would, still would place – that's not bad. I would place yeah. a bet on that just to get some money. But I would also come back and play the Cleveland Cavaliers just for the fact that if Milwaukee does get injured again, if they do get bit by the COVID bug or they get bit by the injury bug again, Cleveland is going to be in prime position to take over. And They're 6-1. to 6-1, to one. yeah. I would sprinkle on that. I would. That's really, really high for them to be 6-1. to one. I don't mm-hmm. think that – I think it was 12-1 to one a week ago. On. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay. Congrats if you got that 12-1. All right, Scott. Let's get to our three-game slate finally for the people. Probably going to be very, very quick here. But we kick the night off with the New Orleans Pelicans going to the Garden to play my New York Knicks. 
I currently see the Knicks at minus four. Yeah. Yep. See the Knicks at minus four. Let's go through an injury report here. The only thing that's worth mentioning is that Devontae Graham is questionable. He might not play. Yeah, pretty much. Neuro's Noel is out, as people know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devontae Graham's really going to be the only thing for the New Orleans Pelicans that you're even of concern about at this point in the season. And New York uh, has a couple of promos for this game. Check out all the books in New York. It's a very, very big promo for New York for this Hashtag game. Hashtag spread the love. <laughs> you can, you can piece right. together the rest, but there you go. Yeah, yeah, they got it. So, either way, what are you doing here? Because I'm, I'm the resident Knicks fan here, so I'm going to lean to the Nets fan. I think I know what I'm doing, but I don't like it. So, where are you at with this one? So, I took the Knicks on my YouTube play on the overnight at minus two and a half because mm-hmm. I thought the line would go up. Simply put, I just expected this line to go up because why would anyone bet the Pelicans? Mm-hmm. The Pelicans on the road have been awful. You look at the numbers, mm-hmm. they are 6-17 and 17 straight up, 7-16 and 16 against the spread on the highway. They've lost each of their last five road games by at least four points. Knicks won the first meeting by six this season. R.J. Barrett at 35 in that game. The Knicks have not been great at home, but recently they've been good against the number. Of course, they lost the Timberwolves but did cover in their last game. But they are 6-1 and one ATS in their last seven home games. I'm going with the Knicks. Because this Pelicans team on the road, as far as I'm concerned, is basically an auto fade. And if the line is going to be that short, I got two and a half, so maybe at four I don't feel as confident with it. The Knicks have been disappointing fans all season long. But based on what I've seen recently, and based on what I've seen on paper, and Graham might not play, the Knicks should win this game by at least six points. So I'll take the Knicks. I don't want to admit it because I am so before before this podcast and even throughout the podcast, actually funny thing. One of my debuts from when Ryan and ZB and all those guys were still hosting the podcast and they were doing rooms and I hopped in and I was in the call and they were asking me about the Knicks because I was a resident Knicks fan. And there was a point in time where everybody was talking about the Knicks were good. And then I said, hold on, hold your horses watched them lose the next five games in a row, and then win some random-ass game that they probably shouldn't win. And I accurately predicted them to lose exactly five games in a row, and then they played the Boston Celtics, who were playing really good at that time, and whooped their ass. So I am extremely pessimistic when it comes to this team. I think this is the most optimistic I've been for them all season. I think right now, what the team is doing right now. This is the, and with uh, Cam Reddish on the horizon of playing and getting serious minutes. This is the most optimistic I've been for this team all season. If they don't go on any little run now, you might as well just go home at this point. Hang it up. Hang it up. They don't. I think now is the run. I think the run starts and they do really, really good. They beat the teams that they should beat, including the Pelicans tonight. They steal a couple of games against good teams, but more or less lose to the great teams and some mm. of the good teams. I think they do exactly what they should do, and they go ahead and submit themselves in a solid playoff spot. You're at a nice plus price on the Knicks to make the playoffs right now. I would take that bet. I'll actually, I actually looked that up the they, other day. 
if oh, if they minute. even if they are in the play-in game, I do think looking at the teams around them that they can win a play-in game. And I'm I'm almost positive that they're going to be the seven and eight. So even if they do, even if they, do, I don't think that they're going to finish nine ten. I think they're going to be seven eight. Even if they are the nine or whatever, then you're still in a play-in, aren't you? Yes, but they get but then they have to win two. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying you're still in the running. Oh yes, you're still in the running for sure. Yes, but Knicks are, I think Knicks are five like, to one to make the playoffs. All right, I'm gonna go lock that in after this. Just letting you know, they're five to one. Yeah, gonna go lock that in. I think that's five to one. Matter of fact, that's an official play. Knicks five to one in playoffs. I'm making that bet. So, because I think that they finished seven eight, and I I will take them to win one game that they have to. Win. I one game in Madison Square Garden to get in the playoffs. I think the Knicks don't fold there. Now they might fold when they get in the playoffs, but I don't think they fold one game to win in Madison Square Garden. Which is hard. I'm to assuming say you like the Knicks to cover tonight. Yes, I do. Unfortunately, okay. I don't. I unfortunately I do because, but I hate betting the Knicks at home because, yeah. and I talk about it all the time. The atmosphere, the nostalgia, the mecca of basketball. It doesn't matter how shitty the Knicks are. The mecca of basketball will forever be Madison Square Garden, and t- players make it a point when they get in that atmosphere and the atmosphere is crazy now because people are coming to the games again because the Knicks are pretty solid. They want to show out and show up Mm -hmm. and play their hearts out to where I'm talking about anybody can just have, because these are NBA basketball players. They are the best basketball players in the world. Anybody from one to 10 on the roster can come out and just have a magical game in Madison Square Garden just because they got hot. And they were feeling the the pressure in Madison Square Garden, and they loved it. So that makes it super hard for me. I hate betting the Knicks at home. I'm going to take them at home in this spot. I think that the Pelicans, like you said, are terrible on the road. I think the Knicks are on up and up. I think Graham's going to be out. Graham is definitely – if Graham is out, that definitely is going to hurt them and take away from, you know, another element of scoring that they have. And the Knicks have been good defensively, one of the top five defensive teams in the past five games. So, I think that intensity stays up there on the defensive side of the ball, and then they get more scoring, especially if Cam Reddish plays. So, give me the Knicks minus four. I think thoughts if, on the total? if anybody likes the Pelicans, by the way, look for a player performance boost or whatever. You can take Valanciunas double-double and mix that with Pelicans money line just because if they're going to win, just pencil Valanciunas in for like 20 and 15. I feel like yep. that's the only way they're going to win unless Ingram goes for like 40. As for the total, I got to go with the under. I know the first meeting they had was a very high-scoring one. The Knicks mm-hmm. defensively have been better lately. I know they gave up mm-hmm. 112 to Minnesota. That game was kind of crazy, but they gave up 97 to Charlotte, 85 to Dallas, 96 to San Antonio. Totals 209, which is low in most NBA games. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's too low here. I'm going to take the under. If you like the Pelicans, I'm seeing Valanciunas for 18 at plus 390. Okay. I'm seeing Brandon Ingram for 25 in a win at plus 470, yep. which is outrageous to me. <laughs> it's absolutely outrageous that I would – I might actually just sprinkle on that just because. It's worth it because Ingram, if they're going to win, him and Valanciunas will have to combine have to, for like They have 50. to have a game. They yeah. have to have a game. And mm-hmm. Ingram is the type of person that I can see – just getting under the lights in Madison Square Garden and going off. Mm-hmm. So 
I would sprinkle on I would honestly sprinkle on his twenty five and I would sprinkle on his thirty at ten to one. During Nick's boost, you like uh I'm looking at RJ. So this is my plus. issue <laughs> potentially. Yeah, I do like RJ. This is my thing with the Knicks. I think the Knicks are so balanced now mm. that and I was and just you, telling somebody this the other day. Anybody I'm fairly confident. I'm fairly confident that I have with the addition of Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish can I know can give me twenty. I know that Kimba can give me twenty. I know that Julius Randle can give me twenty. I know that RJ Barrett can give me twenty. Fournier. So I have four players. I'm not gonna start I said occasional conversation. Occasionally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It what's less than occasionally, but uh, not never. Rarely. There we go. Rarely. I will take rarely. Okay. So four and four point two players that can give me twenty points in a given night. I, I it, it makes it hard for me. It really does. It makes it hard for me to kind of lock in on those props for the Knicks. All right, I'm on the under as well. By the way, cool. Moving on to the other game, tipping off around this time, we have the Phoenix Suns traveling to the Dallas Mavericks. The Suns are minus three on the spread. Minus 150 on the money line, plus 120, 130 for the D- Dallas Mavericks. 216 is the total, and you talked about it. The Phoenix Suns are on a tear. Are you fading them in this spot on the road against Dallas? I am not. I know Dallas has been playing really well, too, and I know that Aiton is out, which is a bit concerning, but it's not a great spot for Dallas. I know they ended up not having to travel because they played at home yesterday, but it was a very tough game against Toronto. You're looking at the starters. Doncic played 42 minutes. Uh, the other starters played 33. Kleber played 25. But, I mean, he doesn't really have much of a role on the team. He's just there for some rebounding help and some floor spacing. But I do think fatigue's going to be an issue, especially since Phoenix is just such an underratedly physical team, and they'll bring mm-hmm. it to you for 48 minutes. I do think that Dallas is going to struggle with their legs in the second half. I think that they're going to struggle offensively. The real question I have in this game is the total. I don't know how you have a Dallas total of 216. No, I'm completely – that's my best bet for this game. That is my best bet for this game. I have to under. like the under. There's no way I can take the over. Dallas I, I can't just walk under. They do. I can't, I can't trust taking anything over with them. As far as the side, you, I basically, I'm basically feel like I'm betting is Luka going to go off again. Pretty much. That's basically what I feel like I'm betting. Is Luka going to go off again? I don't is, think is I would Is Booker going to go off again? And that's the thing. That's the thing. So it's like, I don't think that I would much rather place a bet on Luka's point spot. And if I took the Mavericks, the only way I would take them is if I parlayed it with Luka having a good game. Because mm-hmm. I currently see Luka 25 points in Dallas to win at two, plus 280. And it's only going to get better from there I'm 30 actually... points in Dallas to win by the way is plus 480 yeah yeah so mm-hmm. and then a triple double in Dallas to win is 11 one mm-hmm. so that's the only way is if Luca goes off that I will say because he has to will them to this win now this is why I'm taking the plus three because I think this game is going to be close I don't think Phoenix is going to run in and run away with it because of the just the diff like the difference that Dallas is playing defense, and I told this to Moon off yesterday. I don't think I have, and I haven't lived a long life. 
if you people don't know, I'm 25, about to be 26 in February. So haven't lived a super long life. I don't think I have ever seen a team jump, make the, the jump in a one-year span that the Mavericks have defensively because of a new coach coming in. I've, you've seen new coaches come in and make adjustments and change things and things start to gradually look better. The jump that they made defensively in one year, off the top of my head, I can't think of another team that has made that jump. This is absolutely ridiculous. With a similar roster. Of course, you can have an exception where yes. a magic yeah, will get a yeah, Dwight Howard you, or something. Yeah, if you, yeah, if you get the defensive player of the year for the past three years as a free agent signing, of course you start to, get, you start to look better defensively. But they have effectively the same roster. Effectively the same roster that Carlisle have. Mavs, first in opponent scoring over this past span. First in opponent scoring, ninth in opponent's three-point percentage. They are seventh in opponent's second-chance points, tenth in opponent's fast-break points. They are really, really good. They are a top-five team defensively. I think that they're going to put pressure on not just the stars of Phoenix, but the role players of Phoenix and kind of get them off their groove a little bit. This is a game that they need to get up for. They need this game to feel like that they really, really stand in the Western Conference. Like this is going to mean a lot to get a win against the first place team. And how I see it going is this being a close game and it's going to end up living and dying on Luka down the stretch. If Luka's on, he's going to hit those big shots down the stretch and they're going to win. If Luca folds a little bit, he's going to miss that big shot. And now I'm going to be sweating the cover because they're going to get into the foul. The foul for, the, for the record, I would have taken Dallas if they had a day off leading up to this game. I think the back-to-back hurts. And I think that when you're looking at a situation where this team, I'm questioning if fatigue will play a serious factor down the stretch, the last yeah. team I want to face is a Chris Paul team in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So. I like that. And that is a good, good point. Also, because I'm just going to hope that Luca isn't over out of shape anymore, and that he doesn't he's, look like it. He's been great the last couple of weeks. Yeah. But 42 minutes, and then having to face the Suns isn't exactly a great schedule. Yeah, part. it's definitely not. Definitely not. I could, I understand why, and I'm pretty sure if I were to look at it, majority of the money would be on the Suns in this game. I think a three game slate. I want to go a little contrarian, and I'm not mm-hmm. going contrarian with this last pick. So I'm going to take Dallas plus three here. Well, that was the issue we mentioned before we went on air. The dog is going to be quite a conversation for this show because he got three games yep and yeah two of them i wasn't sure what you think about the knicks but the last game no i'm not no i'm not Uh, taking the dog at all okay let's just go ahead and get into it last game on the slate nightcap the indiana pacers coming off of a routing of the lowly los angeles lakers are going into golden state to play the golden state warriors golden state's favored by 12 could be minus 750. Minus 750 on the money line. Pacers are plus 530. Total sitting at 217. I mean, how do I not fade this Pacers team? You have to. And you were going to fade them anyway because they're 4 and 17 on the road. And then Sabonis is probably not going to play. <laughs> it, it, I don't know how I could possibly back them. They are this- probably going to lose by 30 more than likely going to lose by 30. This could this could be the game that I would actually do like a ladder approach to Clay's shooting props cuz this this could be the game where Clay he's starting to feel it a little mm-hmm. bit. And this could be the game where he goes off shooting the basketball and you know cuz starting and he just said last game I think it was that if he'll miss 100 shots and he'll keep shooting. 
And I like to hear that, especially for, because I don't care how efficient you are as long as you hit the number eventually. I don't care how efficient you are. As long as you hit the number eventually, I'm good. So if he's going to keep shooting and he's going to keep trying to get himself in rhythm, at some point he's going to catch on to that rhythm. And it's going to be very, very scary. Mm -hmm. The way that I see it for this game is that the one, I'd say, counter would be if Golden State just doesn't care. But the point Mm -hmm. is they were playing so terribly before the Pistons game. I do think it's extremely important to build back some of the chemistry, particularly between Curry and Clay. So there is Mm -hmm. a lot, I'd say, I don't want to say at stake, but these are actually meaningful games for Golden State. They are meaningful minutes, very much so. So I do think that they're not going to overlook another bottom feeder here. Sabonis being out is the cherry on top of why they might lose by 30, and they would have lost by 15-plus anyway. Give me Golden Mm -hmm. State in a route. Yeah, so so just kind of explain that ladder approach for people that don't know that I would play for Clay. I will put one unit on Clay's points prop. Is I see that 15 and a half. I'll put one unit on that. I put half a unit on Clay to score 20. That's at plus 230, I see. And I place a quarter unit on Clay to score 25 at plus 800. Would you keep the 25 or would you rather take like an alternative three-point number, man? Because uh, you know if he's going to get to 25, he's hitting probably yeah. like 6-3. Yeah, he's probably hitting multiple threes. Well, yeah, I would actually. I like – so five threes is plus 610. And that sounds, that sounds like a good deal. Yeah. yeah, no, actually, no. Yeah, fuck the points. I'm taking the threes. I'll just mention he, it because we know he got to the foul line a couple of times last yeah. game. If he's getting yeah, 20, hell, he's hitting five threes. Yeah, hell no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so no, scratch that. Good, good point, Scott. Scratch that. So I'm putting a whole unit – on Clay to make two and a half threes. Almost that, that just feels like stealing. Mm-hmm. And I understand why the books don't want to move it up, but two and a half threes at minus 106, it just feels stealing. And then I would go a half a unit on four threes plus 250. And then I place that quarter unit on Clay plus 610 for five made threes. Because if he gets going, it, they're going in. For the and record, he's, play, he's played five games. In four of them, he's attempted at least seven threes. Yeah, he's, he's still going to keep shooting. So, I mean, you just got to find the fun ways to bet this game because, honestly, Golden State is a lock for me, minus 12. I, there's nothing else to say. I'm on the under still. It's a Golden State team. I'll still back the under. Just I don't think Indiana gets to 100. Probably don't. They probably don't. They probably hang around that 80, yeah, that 80 to 90 range. Mm-hmm. And look at that. Just that quick. We are done with the three-game slate. Pretty much. <laughs> and so now, and we're going into our lock and dog for this three-game slate. Scott, would you like to lead us off? Sure. So for the lock here, I feel like we might have some repetition, but in general, mm-hmm. I got to go with the Warriors, man. There's really no way I can avoid it. Indiana, they won a road game. They did it. Break out the champagne. You won in the Crypto.com Center. It's going to take some time getting used to that. But this team's awful on the road. There's really not much else to say. Golden State's actually trying to beat up on these bad teams right now. And Sabonis Mm -hmm. is probably not going to play. And he's easily their best player. Turner's already out. The only way that this team could have beaten Golden State would be if they out-rebounded them by about 20. That's not happening anymore because you're missing your two centers. And you're looking at the projected starting lineup for the Pacers in this game, you're probably rolling with Torrey Craig as the power forward, and you're probably rolling with uh, Batadze as your center. I don't feel great about that front court. 
So nope. if we know that Golden State has a significant advantage in the backcourt and Indiana now has no advantage at all in the front court, they should lose There's this game by nothing. 30. So I'm taking Golden There's State. Nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything you want to add? No, no, nothing. No, nothing. I mean, I, I can tease my – I can just go ahead and give my lock now. Fuck it. Because it's going to be – this is a double lock. Golden State, minus 12. This is a double lock. There's nothing that's telling me that this is, feels like a chalky play. It is more than likely going to be the public play. This is just – and honestly, I'm not really afraid of public plays in the NBA because there's just so many games. The books know that they get it back wherever, whenever. So, No. Yeah, give me the Warriors, minus 12. So that's a double lot. What's your dog? So for the dog, I'm going to have to get a bit creative here because of the fact that, well, I like the favorites tonight. So instead, I'm going to look at a prop here, and it's going to involve the Knicks. There is one prop I do like, and it's going to be backing a player who I acknowledge is pretty streaky, but he has been playing pretty well lately. It's going to be R.J. Barrett, and I'm looking at him 20-plus points and the Knicks to win at around plus 200. If it's plus money, I'm counting as a dog. Deal with it. But you're looking at how Barrett's played recently. He's been really good, which is definitely a good sign of things to come. But you can look at the performances recently. Uh, he's gone over 26 in three of the last five. He played against the, uh, the Pelicans once this season. He scored 35. I'm trying to find ways to take a plus price. I don't mind any of the clay three-point numbers you mentioned but I didn't want to do a lock and a dog from the same game. That just sounds like mm -hmm. cheating. But I'm going to go with Barrett, 20-plus uh, points, and the Knicks to win. I like how he's played lately, and New Orleans is one of the worst defenses in the league. I think Barrett plays well tonight. What was the uh, the odds on that again? Uh, plus 200 for 20-plus points plus and Knicks win. Yeah that's, yeah, that's not bad at all. Not bad at all. All right. For my dog, I'm sticking to the game, taking the only dog on the slate that I took, and it's going to be Dallas, plus 130. Um, of course, I'm going to take Luka props with this, but for the bare bones of it, Dallas plus 130, I think that this has to be a get-up spot for Dallas. I think that their defense has been playing very, very well of as of late. This is going to turn into a defensive struggle, and ultimately, I do think Luka is still really, really good at basketball, and I think that this is a spot, and Luka kind of gets up for like these upper well Western Conference teams and kind of wants to show them a little bit of something and prove that, hey, I belong and this team belongs. And Dallas looks good. Like, they look good. They're playing really great basketball late. This would be a very, very good win for them on the resume. So, yes, give me Dallas, plus 130 against the uh, Phoenix Suns. So, anything else for the slate? Anything else you're thinking about before we get up out of here? Uh, not really. I feel like we covered everything. I'm trying to think of any props that I like. I know that I recommended some long shots at the end of the prop cast yesterday. Actually worked out pretty well. DeJounte triple-double, a Trey Young 35-plus points. Mm -hmm. uh, looking through some potential triple-doubles here, I don't see much. I think you can make an argument maybe for Randall, who had 9-9 nine and nine mm -hmm. last game, but I don't think he's going to do it. I don't really have much. I feel like this is a pretty standard game where if you want – or standard card, if you want to take some shots, I would take the player performance mixed with some money lines. We mentioned the clay props. I don't mind potentially backing him to go nuts from three. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned the four plus threes, the five plus threes. Some of those prices are nuts. So if he's going to take eight of them and you expect a top three shooter of all time to get mm -hmm. hot, I think those are the way to go. So I don't mind taking clay four plus threes, five plus threes, quarter yeah. unit, whatever, and just letting you ride from there. You? 
I gotta play Luca. I gotta play Luca and win. So yeah. I'm getting a triple double at eleven to one and a win. And that that just feels that just feels like it could happen. If I'm on the Dallas Mavericks, I have to assume that Luca somehow forced out a really good game. So I'm all over Luca in this one. And, and I'm assu- are you going to end up playing any of the Pelicans counterplays? I know we both like the Knicks. No, but- I would. I would play. It is yeah. too valuable. It's I agree. too valuable, mm-hmm. and I don't trust the Knicks enough. It, the, I don't trust the Knicks enough. It Either Valanciunas double double, whatever, or just Ingram twenty five plus and the yeah. Pelicans to win. Yeah, I don't mind. Absolutely, that. I don't have any issue with that at all. All right, Scott, please let people know where they can find you. So you can find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio, R-E-I-C-H-E-L Radio. Besides that, still doing a bunch of editing for the NBA Gambling Podcast, the Propcast, the Golf Gambling Podcast. Now I'm editing the Die Hard Eagles Fan Podcast. So I got a lot going on, but mm-hmm. happy to be a part of it. And hopefully, you know, we make some money. Yeah, absolutely. We actually dragged this podcast out a bit on a three-game slate. I think we should be commended for that. That we we talked about so much content mm-hmm. for a three-game slate. Very, very great. People know that they're getting some really, really good content here on Thursdays with us too. You know where to find me at really real underscore underscore. Appreciate all the love. Appreciate everything. Um, man, I just like doing this. So a plus seven hundred. That's that's great to add to the resume. Very, very good to add to the resume. I love doing this. So Really nothing else left here. We are going to leave it at that. I still don't have my super cool tagline to finish the podcast like Kobe does, like Kramer and Sean does. I'm going to think about it someday. But as for now, we are out. Basketball. Give me, give me, give me.